Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. We're now going to be having our Bible reading. Our Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, and then from chapter 2 and verse 17. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. At many times and in various ways, But in these last days he has spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. For this reason, he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Well, Christmas is a great time. I love Christmas time, but it's also a very busy time uh, with carol services and nativity plays and Christmas parties and buying Christmas presents and getting a Christmas tree and decorating the tree and getting the turkey, preparing the turkey. It can become a very busy time. uh, and We can become so busy that we uh, fail to stop and reflect on what it's all about. We fail to stop and reflect on the miracle of Christmas that God became one of us, a human. That that God, the creator of the whole universe, the being that brought the whole universe into existence, became a human, became a vulnerable baby, born in Bethlehem and placed in a manger, in a, a feeding trough for animals. But this is what the Bible tells us. In in Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, it says, In the past, God, that's God the Father, spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Wow, I mean, just think about that for a moment. Jesus, this little baby in a manger, is the being that created the whole universe, that brought the whole universe into existence. And and he didn't just create the whole universe. We were told in verse 3 that he sustains all things by his powerful word, by simply speaking. (laughs) That's kind of like saying he created the whole universe and he sustains the whole universe with his little pinky. And so what we discover here is that Jesus is God. 
But, but, but how can Jesus be God and yet separate from God the Father? I mean, there's one God, but then there's God the Father and then God the Son, Jesus. How does that work? Well, it's a mystery. But the author in Hebrews tries to explain this mystery by using two metaphors. In, in verse 3, he says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And he uses these two metaphors to show you the intimate connection between the Father and the Son while still remaining distinct from one another. So firstly, the radiance of God's glory or the outshining of God's glory, he is using the idea of the Son. And he's liking God the Father to the Son and, and Jesus to the sun rays. And you simply can't have sun rays without a sun and you can't have a sun without sun rays. They are intimately connected, but yet they're distinct from one another. The, the sun ray flows out of the sun, and so it's part of the sun, but yet it's distinct from the sun. And then secondly, exact representation of his being, or the exact imprint of his being. He's, he's using the idea of the sort of wax imprint and, and the, the signet ring, or the, the stamp. You know, in those days, they would seal an envelope with a wax seal, and then they would stamp in an impression. They'd use a signet ring to put an impression, an imprint in the wax. And this was a way of showing that this letter was from me because the imprint in the wax would be exactly the same as the imprint on my signet ring or the stamp. And so there's this intimate connection between the stamp and the impression in the wax here. They are intimately connected. They are exactly the same. And you can't have one without the other. But yet they're distinct from one another. And so what the author is saying is, is God the Father is like the stamp or the signet ring. And Jesus is like that imprint in the wax. They're exactly the same. But yet they're distinct from one another. And so what the author is saying over here, he's not saying that Jesus is a perfect representation. No. He's saying Jesus is the exact representation. He has, he's of the exact same being, the exact same substance, the exact same essence, the exact same nature. And that's why Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. For Jesus makes the invisible visible, the unknowable knowable, and the incomprehensible comprehensible. Jesus is 100% God. Now, if you find that mind-blowing... We also discover that Jesus is 100% human. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, For this reason he had to be made like us, fully human in every way. Jesus was made like us. Jesus was fully human, not partially human, not mostly human, not just like a human, but fully human. In every way. 
I often think uh, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he was kind of like a superhero. You know what I mean? He kind of looks like a normal, regular guy. He looks like Clark Kent, a bit of a geek, but actually he's Superman. You know, he just looks like a human, but he's not really a human. He's got all these superpowers. Jesus is not like a superhero. Jesus doesn't just look like a human. Jesus became human, fully human in every way. I sometimes then think, well, surely he's still got a divine mind. You know, he says he's got, he's got a human body, but he's got God's brain inside a human body. No, Jesus became fully human in every way. He has a human brain. Jesus had to learn, just like every other child. He had to learn how to speak. He had to learn how to dress himself. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 says he learned obedience. Doesn't mean he was disobedient, but it means he had to learn how to submit to his father's will. He was fully human in every way. He was exactly like us. Well, not quite. There was one exception. He was exactly like us in every way except Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, yet he did not sin. That's the only difference. He faced all the temptations we face. He faced all the trials he fa we face. He has the exact same humanity that we have. He doesn't assume a, a sanitized, a perfect humanity, but he assumes our fallen humanity. But yet, he's like us in every way, yet he did not sin. And so Jesus is 100% God. And Jesus is 100% human at the same time. I mean, that, when Jesus walked on earth, he operated within his humanity, but he didn't stop being 100% God. You're like, how? How can he be 100% human and 100% God at the same time? Well, it's a mystery. It's simply beyond our comprehension, just like light can simultaneously be a particle and a wave at the same time. That's beyond our comprehension, but it is. It's a mystery, but it's a reality. But this is the big question. Why? Why did God become human in every way? Well, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, For this reason he had to be made like us, fully human in every way. He had to be made like us. Why? Well, the verse continues. In order, to, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. In other words, he became fully human in every way in order to be the perfect bridge between us and God. A high priest's job was to bring people into the presence of God and to bring the presence of God to people. His job was to be the bridge between us and God. And Jesus, because he's 100% God and 100% human, he's the perfect bridge. In fact, he's the only bridge between us and God. Why do we need a bridge between God and humanity? Well, we've all sinned. We've all turned our backs on God. 
We've all decided to do things our way rather than God's way. And as a result, it leads to separation from God. And, and our sin, our, our regrets, and our guilt prevent us from going into the presence of God. And, and our sin leads to death. Eternal separation from God. And so we have this gulf between us and God. And therefore we need a bridge to bridge the gap. How does Jesus bridge the gulf between us and God? Well, the verse continues. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for sin. Because Jesus was 100% human, human in every way, except he did not sin, makes him the perfect sacrifice for sin. He lives the life we should have lived, and then he dies the death we should have died, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can go enter into the presence of God, and so that we can experience life, eternal life. We don't have to fear death. Anymore, As the previous verses stated, he too shared in our humanity so that, this is the reason, by his death he might break the power of death and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. We don't have to fear death anymore. Because Jesus on the cross didn't just deal with our sins so we can be forgiven, but he defeated death so we could experience life. Eternal life. And that's what makes Jesus the perfect bridge. We put our faith in Jesus. We will receive forgiveness. We'll be able to enter into the presence of God. And we'll experience life. Eternal life. But you know what the amazing thing is? God didn't have to come and die. God doesn't owe us anything. We're the ones who made the mess. It's our responsibility. God would have been perfectly just just to leave us in our own mess. He didn't have to intervene. He didn't have to get involved. But he did. Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. In 1964, in the Queens area of New York City, a young lady who of 28 years old, called Kitty Genovese, for several minutes, she was stabbed to death while she was crying out for help. Yet no one, no one, not only did no one come, although many people heard her cries, not only did no one come to help her, no one even called it in. No one even called the police. It's a famous incident. In a newspaper interview, one of her neighbors famously said, Why? Because I didn't want to get involved. 
This is why it's become such an infamous case, incident. But think about it for a moment. Involvement. To go down onto the street or or even just to call it in, you're involved. And involvement always leads to vulnerability. You're safe up in your apartment, but if you go down onto the street, you're vulnerable. Even if you just call it in, if you call the police, you're vulnerable. There may be retaliation. Involvement always leads to costly vulnerability. You lose your safety and you become vulnerable. All the way through the Bible, from the very beginning, we're told that God hears our cries. When God comes to Cain, he says, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And all the way through the Old Testament, we're told again and again, God says, I hear the cries of the people. I hear the cries of the oppressed. God hears our cries. But he doesn't just call it in. The message of Christmas is he comes, he gets involved, and he becomes vulnerable. Jesus comes not at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. He comes and he gets stabbed to death. He becomes vulnerable. That's the message of Christmas, that God comes and he gets involved he becomes vulnerable he shares in our humanity our fallen humanity he shares in our pain and our suffering and he dies for us so we can be forgiven and restored and healed and so that we can experience life eternal life and he does all of that for you that's the meaning of Christmas Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that so often we can get so caught up in the busyness of Christmas, the festivities, that we fail to pause and reflect and allow the truth that you intervened. You got involved. You didn't merely call it in, but you came and you died because you love us and you want a relationship with us. And so, Father, this evening we want to receive that love afresh from you. We confess that so often we've turned our backs on you, we've ignored you, we've just been distant, and we've done things our own way. And, Father, we want to say afresh this evening, we're sorry. We turn back to you, and we ask you to forgive us. And, Father, we want to put our faith in Jesus afresh. We want to put our trust in Jesus and won't you pour your love and your grace and your life into us afresh. May we come into your presence. And we thank you that we can do this simply because you first loved us. You first came to us in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.